to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. This is a podcast by a 20-something, for 20-somethings, or 20-somethings at heart, where we dive into the real and the raw, the uncomfortable and the messy. This is a place for you to receive wisdom from ladies who have been where we're at and can guide us along this crazy time in our life. I am so excited that you are here. So grab something refreshing and let's get on with it. All right, ladies, I am excited to share my episode with Rachel Joy with you guys. We are talking today about leadership. She gives some really good advice about how to be a great godly leader, how to be clear and honest with those that you're leading, and just how to realize that we can't be all things to all people. I wanted to take a minute to read a review from iTunes. This is from It's Mad Dog Yo. She said, love this podcast and Emma's mission of bringing mature believers wisdom into the lives of 20-somethings. Every episode is full of truth, practical wisdom and advice, and some laughs scattered throughout. Thanks, Maddie. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to two of my newest Patreon subscribers, my cousin Amy, thank you so much for giving, and my old pal Liz Olson, thank you so much for giving to the podcast. I super appreciate it. All right, guys, let's get on with my episode this week with Rachel Joy. Well, hey, Rachel, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. How's it going? Great, great. Thank you for having me. Of course. Why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself, what your life looks like these days? Yes. Well, like she said, my name is Rachel Joy. Um, I live in North Dallas in the Highlands of Nigeria, and um, I have four kids, uh, ranging in ages from 10 all the way down to two. So um, very busy in the mom department. <laughs> Uh, I am married to Trevor, and he's a pastor at the Village Church, and um, I run an organization called Sparrow Women, mm-hmm. and so I'm executive director for that, and so that is my that's my day job. So that's that's what I do. Those are those are all that the hats that I wear, um, among others, as so many women do. So right. those are some of my hats. Yeah, that's awesome, and I got the privilege to go to Sparrow last year and absolutely loved it. But would you mind just telling us like a little bit more about it? How'd you get started with it? Like what was your vision uh, originally? And then like, what is it like now? Yes. So um, Sparrow, our mission statement is we catalyze the next generation of reconcilers and peacemakers. So um, as Christians, we are reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus, um, that Jesus hung on the cross. He died for our sins. And so um, we are our relationship with God is made whole because of what Jesus did on the cross. We are forgiven and our sins were atoned for. And now we have relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And so that reconciliation happens. And we hear about that. If you grow up in church for any amount of time, you you hear about those things. But yeah. Um, yeah. more often than not, you don't hear about reconciliation among God's people. And so 
We believe that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're reconciled to him. And the implications of the gospel are that we are reconciled to others. And this is across racial lines. This is across socioeconomic lines. This is within the family Mm -hmm. um, of believers. This is, I'm talking about reconciliation among God's people and what he intends um, for his people. And so that is what we do. And we hone in on probably more of your um, racial lines. So reconciliation across racial lines and across socioeconomic lines. And yeah. so and yeah. we don't talk a lot. You know, it's funny because people have likened us to um, a Bible conference because what you're going to hear is straight the word of God. Uh, we walk through a book of the Bible every year. This year we'll walk through the book of Ephesians. And so it's very, um, we're serious about, um, biblical knowledge, uh, and taking what we know about God and, and we, we really take it from the scriptures. So it's not what we think about God, our opinions about God, but we really take it from the scriptures. And then what we also do with the scriptures is we lay truth across culture. So we talk about it, truth meets culture. And so that's what Sparrow Women does. We are peacemakers and we do that because um, through truth meeting culture. There's a lot going on in culture today. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opinions flying. And if you watch the news for any amount of time, you're going to see a, a lot of things. Right. Um, and a lot of really disturbing, um, really divided, um, issues, people groups, um, a lot of, uh, men and women are seeking justice and, and rightfully so. However, we believe that you have to know the word of God, um, in order to lean into acts of justice like Jesus did. And so that's what we want to equip women with the word of God so that they can lean into culture and not away from culture with the truth of the scriptures. So, um, anyway, we just launched, um, we did, we've done a conference for, this will be our seventh year wow. that we've done a conference, which is pretty crazy. It's been a long, a long, uh, longer than people really actually know about. Um, <laughs> Uh, people are like, really? It's your seventh year? Yes, really. This is our seventh conference. Um, and, and it's, it's beautiful because I can look back and see all of the stages of, and how God's grown us as an organization. Mm-hmm. And we just launched, um, a full blown, uh, we call it Sparrow Women. So it's not just Sparrow Conference any longer. It's Sparrow Women. And so we launched a full blown ministry year round, uh, where we're producing resources and media. We're doing trainings and then we'll eventually launch a Sparrow Center where we will, we will seek justice. Um, yes, uh, through not just hearing the word, but doing the word. And so so we'll, we'll, yes, yes, it's very exciting. So I guess to go back and answer your question about how we started, um, really, I, if I'm totally honest, which I want to be on this podcast because I don't want to give you some version of, um, of Christianity that's, <laughs> uh, 
that is a feel good version. I really want to give something that you can hold on to that your listeners can hold on to. Um, because Sparrow was birthed out of my mess. Mm. Um, I went through a season of steps recovery at my church and, um, and what's funny is that I didn't think that I needed <laughs> steps recovery. I was a good kid growing up. I grew up in church. I did struggle. There were things that happened, of course, but, um, all in all, I thought, why am I going to this kind of discipleship Bible study group at church? Um, isn't steps recovery more for, um, addictions and things like that is what I had heard about it. Well, it turns out that the Lord just flipped my life upside down. And I realized, um, really from ashes, how the Lord can grow such beautiful things. And so the Lord really started bringing up a lot of really hard, difficult things in my life and idols that I worshiped, um, whether that be, uh, approval of man or, um, simple things like, um, not being able to experience really, truly experience the love of the father. Um, there were just really broken things in my heart and my life. And I had really bought into the good girl act. And so, um, and I could only keep it up for so long. Right. And so the Lord broke down a lot of things. And so because he did that afterwards, when you um, experience something like that, uh, what you want to do is you want to share it with everybody, mm-hmm. right? And so I decided I'm going to invite five young women into my home, and we're going to do Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk to them about these pillars that I um, that the Lord really brought me through. So I, the four pillars were truth, freedom, identity, and purpose. And so truth, the truth of the scriptures begets freedom, right? Um, through the blood of Christ, we experience freedom through knowing the scriptures, we experience freedom and then freedom, we get identity. And so we have a new identity in Christ. We no longer tie our identity maybe to a man or to an idol or to um, what we thought our lives would look like yeah. or um, any of those things, but we really have an identity in Christ. That is something that is thrown around a lot in the local church. And so um, I really wanted to dive into what does it look like to actually put, pursue identity in the Lord, mm-hmm. everything stripped away and let the Lord define who you are. Yeah. Um, and so, and then from there, you know, you find purpose. So when I'm freed up, and I have my identity in the Lord, man, I am freed and uh, to pursue my purpose in his kingdom as a kingdom cultivator. So anyway, all that to say is I invited these women into my home and who showed up, you know, women like to invite women. And so who showed up were, uh, man, 25 eventually. So throughout the semester, 25 women, some knew the Lord, some didn't know the Lord. And, um, but they knew they were coming to meet with a group of women who were going to dive into the scriptures. And I think the women that came that didn't know God, really, they just wanted friends. I look back and they'll still talk about it. They're like, we just, we just really wanted, we just wanted some essence of a friend group. And so we 
we we knew something was different about this group, and so we just joined in anyway. Um, but that was an extremely diverse group of women. I'm talking socioeconomically. I'm talking ethnicity. Um, and it just, it was beautiful because what we got to see is the gospel was presented in Ephesians 2. It talks about how the gospel tears down every wall between us. And I got to see it firsthand, uh, right then and there, how the Lord, um, just by the power of the gospel, um, the gospel levels the playing field because we are all in need of Jesus. There's not one of us that isn't. Um, we all have stories. We all have past. And so we were able to acknowledge that in each other. Mm-hmm. And we were able to acknowledge the fact that we needed Jesus. Um, and then from there, we were really able to reconcile with each other and really see each other maybe for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it was beautiful. From there, we took it to Denton and then we took it to Dallas. And wow. now it's grown into a large conference uh, here in Dallas. It's amazing. It's so cool to see how, like, I feel like so many stories um, are similar to that where the Lord just, like, knocks you off your feet. And and when you think you're in a good place, he's like, oh, wait, just watch. And he takes your, like, messiest, most broken parts and turns that into something that he uses for his glory. He says, no, yeah. this this is the part that I want. This is the part that I want to use. And it's usually not the part of you that you would ever expect him, him to use. And so with Sparrow, you know, was, did you like envision yourself to, like, did you feel like growing up you had leadership qualities, you wanted to lead something like Sparrow, or was that something like that the Lord like had to enable you to do was to to be able to head up and lead something like this? I think that I knew that I loved to teach the scriptures. I knew that I loved to lead women. Um, but I, I don't know that I would have said I would be doing this. I, I don't know that I would have put it together that this, and I, and, and to be honest with you, I, I still um today. I, I have to go to the Lord for my confidence. I have to go to the Lord for my strength. Um, I still, there are those moments of the soul where you're like, wait, what am I doing? How am I doing this? And, and really it is, it is by God's grace that I am able to do what I do. And it, it is a privilege and, um, an honor and it's very humbling. So yes, I knew that I wanted to do something. Um, but I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I deeply cared about women knowing God um, and women um, understanding his word and then women being set on mission. Mm-hmm. Like that process of knowing God, knowing his word and being set on mission. Like I was really clued into that because that was something that I had watched him do from the time I was saved. So mm-hmm in my own life. So it was like he marked me um, in some really significant ways where I knew that um, I wasn't going to be able to help but do some of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that I would have put it together that this is necessarily what I would be doing. Um, but what's what's really kind of the Lord is that I always have to go back to him for mm-hmm. 
<laughs> the confidence and the strength to be able to complete the work. Because let me tell you something, I do not have all the gifts. Turns out nobody has all the gifts. And so I very quickly to surround myself with people um, who could run this race with me. And so when I lead, I don't lead from a place of, I have all the answers. I lead with a group of women who are um, just wringing out their lives mm-hmm. for the Lord and believe in the mission and the assignment that God's placed on their lives. Um, and so I have this beautiful community of women that are using their giftings. Like, for example, not all leaders are administrative. Nope, that is not true. Uh, not all leaders. I just think there are a lot of misconceptions about, about leaders. Um, not all leaders are teachers. Mm. Not all leaders, uh, are writers. Um, but I think anyway, so it's just been an interesting thing that I think the Lord writes, um, uniquely mm. with different situations, but I will, I will attest to the fact that he has always provided the strength I need at the moments that I need as well as the people that I need God's people um, to do the work that he has set aside for us to do. Hmm. So, yeah. And I like what you said about, we all might have different gifts as far as what um, maybe the certain like gifts he's given us to be able to be a leader, but it's going to look different for everybody because our personalities are different and the ways that he's gifted us are all different. But what do you think are some of like kind of the main qualities um, of like a godly leader, somebody who is really, um, who is really looking to the Lord um, in their leadership abilities? I think the main thing, uh, main characteristic of a godly leader would be, um, that they trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. That sounds very cliche. Um, but I think that in this day and age, you see a lot of leaders that trust in a lot of different things, mostly themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's very key that we understand that, um, in the scriptures, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of verses where the Lord is like, trust in me, lean not on your own understanding, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. Mm-hmm. And so I think a, a good leader must trust in the Lord. And will they waver? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. All leaders are broken. Uh, we all are sinful. Um, we are not perfect, but um, they must trust in the Lord. And I think the other characteristic is that is probably coincides with that is that, um, that they, uh, employ other leaders alongside them, mm-hmm. that they have accountability in their leadership, that, that it's not them alone, but right. it is a accountability of leadership that is moving forward in the mission of God. I think that's really important, but that they are putting their trust in the Lord, mm-hmm. not their trust in men. Their trust has to be in the Lord right. and has to be um, held accountable right. by other men and women who also trust in the Lord. Right. Um, that's the way God set it up. And that seems so simple, but I will tell you there is a reason 
why over and over again in the scriptures, number one, God says to trust in him. But then number two, how he talks about fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get that head up, girl. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because the minute we start focusing on ourselves and navel gazing is the minute we get prideful, maybe, mm. or self-focused, selfish. It becomes about us and our platform or our kingdoms or something like that, right? right. And we don't serve our own kingdom, right? Like Hezekiah, we don't serve our own little kingdoms. Uh, we serve the kingdom of the living God. Mm -hmm. And so it is not, the, uh, you'll notice that Sparrow, it is not the Rachel Joy show. <laughs> it is not because we serve the kingdom of heaven mm -hmm. and we believe that we are all grafted into this family, which means we all serve this kingdom. And there's a place at the table um, for everyone in the kingdom. And so I think trusting in the Lord, having people hold you accountable and so that when you do get off base, for sure. they will um, continue to tell you to look up. Um, and then, uh, having the mindset that it's, it's kingdoms. It's mm -hmm. not about you. It's not about, um, maybe even false idols and other people, but it mm -hmm. truly is about the kingdom of heaven. Yep. The kingdom going forth here on earth. Um, and then I think finally, uh, being rooted, um, in the scriptures, being rooted in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't know the word of God. How are you supposed to lead others mm -hmm. in knowing God? And, and it's so easy for leaders today to take godly concepts and lead with godly concepts. Mm -hmm. I mean, leaders need to know the word of God and yeah. be ever knowing in the word of God. So, um, I don't know all there is to know. And so I maintain my relationship with the father by maintain, by, by continually spending time with him through prayer, through, um, reading his word, you know? So anyway, those are, those are some, some characteristics I would say that are key to a, mm -hmm. to a God. And then I'm sorry, I have to stick this one in there because it is so true. Yeah. When you oftentimes you'll see a leader um, waver, mm -hmm. it, it maybe that wavering looks like self-deprecation, or maybe it looks like pride. Sure. And um, I think that it's really important that um, if you're going to follow a leader, not only do they need to trust the Lord, not only do they need to have accountability, not only do they need to be rooted in the Word of God. Um, but they need to practice humility like Jesus. Mm. So, um, being willing to lay down their lives for others, being willing to bear one another's burdens, being willing to be wrong, mm. being willing to be wrong. You know, that is key. Um, because again, broken vessels delivering a beautiful gospel message. Um, a hundred percent of the time, probably not going to always be right. Give it to you one hundred. So you've got to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. 
um, and just be humble in it and, and put yourself under, um, you know, under the Lord, Lord, but then under a church body mm-hmm. and you're able to be held accountable and grow. I, I think, I think those are godly leadership characteristics. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking, you know, it's crazy when we get in leadership positions. It's like, okay, we're not Jesus and we're not going to get anywhere near being like Jesus. And so we're not going to be perfect and we're going to make mistakes. And so I like that you said a good quality is being able to say, yeah, I screwed up and let's work through this because guess what? I'm not perfect. Just because I'm in this position doesn't make me perfect. And so, you know, um, this segues kind of perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about next with, you know, how does the enemy come and try to attack leaders? Like, I think that he, he goes for leaders because he knows that a lot of people are watching, especially leaders in the Christian world, to uh, look and see, oh my goodness, I was really looking up to that person, or I was expecting a lot out of them and they screwed up and all of a sudden we're really concerned that um, somebody that we thought was um, perfect or was just our leader that we were supposed to follow after is in fact human. But um, specifically, how do you think the enemy tries to attack leaders and do you maybe have an example of that? Mm-hmm. Um. I think, I mean, there's a myriad of ways depending on the leader mm-hmm. and how that leader will be attacked. And so we know that the enemy wants to kill, uh, steal and destroy. And so he will do that typically in these very small ways over time. So he will chip away at a leader over time and sometimes in big ways, but Typically, it's over time in these very small ways. And usually, it's so in James, it talks about our sin bents. And so, I, Rachel Joy, have a sin bent. I do. And um, it's something that I think, for example, I'll tell you, I can be fearful at times. I really struggle. I want to. I don't want to fail anybody mm-hmm. and I want to be a unifying force, never a dividing force. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes the enemy, how he usually attacks me would be through self doubt. Are you doing what God asked you to do? Really? Mm-hmm. Um, sounds very much like in the garden, right? He hasn't learned new tricks, you know? No, he doesn't really have new tricks at all. He just, he just says them in a slightly different way. And, you know, <laughs> depending on the leader, you know, um, I think that he, uh, will come in and, uh, I will feel like I have failed to achieve other people's expectations of me. So because of all the hats I wear as a mom, as a pastor's wife, and as a leader of an organization, there are a lot of expectations that are uh, placed on me. And some are rightfully so, and some are not rightfully so, right? But I am very keenly aware of what expectations are placed on me 
And then there are some that I just don't know what people are wanting from me. And so I think it's, I think it's key that a leader understands that they don't, that they don't work for men, mm. that they for men, but they don't work for men. And so we work for God in heaven, right? And so he gives our assignments to us and we have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus and we are approved of and we are loved right where we are. For example, if I feel like I haven't met someone's expectations, mm-hmm. where it hits me is um, I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I haven't done something perfect. And so then it trickles into my relationship with God, right? And so I have to remind myself, no, you are loved, you are approved of, you will mess up, but you are loved and approved of. Mm-hmm. And so I have to kind of differentiate too, as a leader, between what are right expectations of me that people place on me mm-hmm. and what aren't, you know? Mm-hmm. And I cannot be all things for all people. So I think something that leaders fall into that leads me into where the enemy loves to attack is um, you can be God. <laughs> you can be all things to all people. Um, and it doesn't ever sound like that. It just sounds like you can do this and you can do that. And yeah, you can do that too. And all of a sudden you've said yes to all of these things. And underneath that, like deep down in the icky place of your soul, I just wonder if you're... <laughs> If you're asking the question or, or maybe making the proclamation, I can be all things to all people. (laughs) And that's the dangerous thing to do because you are not set up to be God. And on top of that, God didn't ask you to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't even possess all the gifts. Also, the time, time factors of all of that. So anyway, I think trying to, Meet everyone's expectation puts you in a place and helps and make it. There's a way that I personally have believed some lies mm-hmm. that, oh, I can meet your expectations. I can meet yours and yours and yours and yours. And then when you don't, it's like I feel and it hits you to your core yeah. because you realize all over again, man, I was never meant to do all this. Right. I was never meant to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And so again, girl, fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Put your whole heart, your whole trust, like pursue with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. Lean not on your own understanding. Do the assignment he has asked you to do. Mm-hmm. And you can just be freed up to say no to other things and freed up not to have to achieve in other people's expectations Mm -hmm. of you. Um, So I think that's some of the ways that I personally have been tempted and I personally have failed um, leaving the lie that I can do all things. Um, And then just those, when it sets in that I can't, that self doubt um, that really trips you up. Like, should I even be doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, but God's so faithful like he just like plucks you back up from that pit. He places you back on that rock, right? That really no, we've never, we always have a firm foundation. Once in Christ, we're always have that firm foundation. Right. But he again reminds you, hey, 
I've got you. I've got you in this. Yeah, that's a good word because a good leader should be able to empower others, not just take mm-hmm. it all on yourself and think that it's all your responsibility and uh, that you are God in that situation, but to be able to empower other people and um, give other people jobs um, in in whatever leadership role you're in, you know, to be able to divvy that out and tell people that you value them and, and know that... Um, that you can trust them. And so I like, I like that a lot. Uh, So one thing that I really wanted to ask you about was, you know, in leadership, sometimes there has to be harder conversations with people maybe that are under you or uh, that you're leading with. And, and that can be hard to like figure out how to like confront somebody or have a more difficult conversation. So what do you think that should look like as a, as a woman in leadership? Yeah. Just depending on who you are and what your makeup is. Yeah. What your Enneagram type is. What your, I was trying not to say it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just depending on how you go about situations and your leadership style for me personally, I don't even, I'm not even going to tell you what number I am, but <laughs> I, I tend to, I really, really, really value people. I really do. Um, and I, I want to know their inner workings. I want to help them get to a place of success. Mm. I want to, to, because I believe that God is, you know, as we become, uh, as, you know, as we, um, image Christ, you know, there's a sanctification that happens and all of those good things. So I, I believe that God has a place for a lot of these women. And so when I have to have hard conversations in the early years, I would beat around the bush. (laughs) I would beat around the bush. I would try to gently have conversations and gently do things. And I thought that that was the most loving thing to do. Um, however, I have found that that's actually not very loving. And really what that does is that serves me and that serves my just in general desire to be liked. So I would say that, uh, clarity is kindness. That's a Brene Brown quote. And it is true. Mm -hmm. Clarity is kindness, direct, kind, clarity. That is what is um, very important when you're going to someone. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, let's talk about Matthew. Matthew talks about going to your brother, like go to them, have the conversation with them. If something comes to your attention, be honest in that is the most loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. The most loving thing a not loving thing to do would be to go talk to everybody else about it and then have everyone else uh, kind of do your dirty work. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or have everyone else look at them a different way. I think the best way to do it is I think the power of conversation and the power of prayer beforehand. Mm-hmm. So praying, really asking God for direction and then being as clear and as, 
as, as clear as possible, mm-hmm. even to the point where I have these three points, um, especially leading a team of people and these three points. And here's where we're missing each other. Here are some miscommunications. Mm-hmm. Here's what I need to change. And then really, I think my heart side, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm a two. <laughs> I was already guessing that. Yeah. So my, my heart side goes, okay, now ask the why. Like dig in to the people on your team and say, I actually know them enough to know their story, to know maybe why they're struggling in yeah. those areas. And really dig in and go, hey, maybe there's something going on that I don't know about. Hmm. So I want to understand that. Does that change that you probably, that you need to do this job? No. Sometimes it does if it's, <laughs> if it's pretty drastic, right? But on the whole, it typically doesn't. You still have to get these things done. Um, but I always think it's best and most loving to look at the people on your team as brothers brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. They're brothers and sisters, especially if you run a Christian business and the people on your, on your team are, um, believers, which mine are. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're my sisters. They are co-heirs with me. Mm-hmm. That means that I am to treat them as Jesus would. Right. Um, and really we should treat all people as Jesus would. Right. So, but they're my sisters in the faith. So I treat them like that. I pray for them like that. And then I am very clear because I still have an organization to run. So I'm very clear as to my expectations mm-hmm. of these things need to get done. I line it out. And so I think there's a relational side to the confrontation. And then there's probably a more um, logistical um, point side of totally. being very clear about the expectations. Yeah. So I think both are loving. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, get that confused we're like right. most loving is to be real sweet you know and, and miss out on the logistical like i feel like we either go one way or, the, or one of those is easier for us like one like either being really logical and just getting straight to the point or being really relational trying to understand their heart but the other one is a little bit weaker so like learning how to address both right absolutely yeah love it love it I I have always thought about that, like, and especially now that I'm in the working world of, you know, when it's more difficult to work with certain people or whatever, I just have to go back to remembering, like, what is it about their story that I don't know? Or what, what do I need to find out um, that would help me to just to understand the way that they function better and to be able to love them better when it seems yeah. difficult and contrasting with the way that I'm wired, so... Um, that's another Enneagram plug, but I feel like (laughs) beating a dead horse there. So, okay. We have made it to our last three questions that I ask every guest on the podcast, Rachel. So the first one is what is one thing you wish you knew as a 20 something? I know, I know. Everyone always says just one, (laughs) one thing. How about 25 things? I know, right? Um, so I really struggle a lot with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I still do. And um, I worried so much. It crippled me 
like what other people thought, Mm. um, what other people were doing. And I think in the day and age of social media and things like that now, uh, which I didn't have that growing up. And honestly, I really didn't take part in it. And I really, sometimes I just turn it off on my phone. Even now Mm. I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna do that. But, um, I think that, um, Uh, I, I think what I would encourage women in their twenties to do is, um, to stop worrying so much and letting that worry cripple you to the point of not truly experiencing freedom and joy in the season that they're in Mm -hmm. because you get this one life, one life and God has a purpose in place for you right now, no matter if you're married, if you're single, if you have, um, if you have a job that, uh, that you travel with, if you are at whatever, whatever place of life you're in, in your twenties, um, God has you in that specific place for a reason. And it's such a beautiful thing. We can either, worry about what everyone thinks and worry about the future or we can really experience true joy and freedom in the now and get busy on what God has for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, I imagine us just taking off those chains uh, link by link and going, I don't want any more to do with this. These things are like death. And I just want to run my race well. And I want to stop the Rolodex in my mind of Mm. what all these people are thinking and what my life should be like or what it could be like or whatever. And I think um, knowing that God loves you, there is significance in today Mm. and the purpose that he has given you today. There's great significance. And so to kind of take that worry those chains of worry and anxiety off. I think I, I, I would encourage women to do that. I did not do that. And I chose to remain chained for a very long time. And it kept me from experiencing joy in a lot of different ways. Um, and freedom in a lot of different ways. I was so worried about, I was crippled by fear. So that's what I encourage other women to do. Yeah. Easier said than done. Right. And it's a slow process for sure. It's not like we can change that overnight. But just even like you said, starting to pray things like, Lord, I need help in this area. I'm done. And why would he not? Why would he not come through? It just might might not be in our timing. Yeah. So So true. uh, Are there any resources on leadership you could put in our hands around this topic? Um. There are, um, okay, so Brene Brown, she has great, mm. Dare to Lead is a great, great, great book. You've read it, I, her new one? Oh, it is so good. It's so good. There are so many good nuggets there. I would recommend that book to anyone. Um, the, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the main one that I would recommend and mostly it's because I just read it. And so I, mm-hmm. I've read it a few months ago, um, but I'm still chewing on All the what nuggets. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. 
I would recommend that book. Good one. Good one. I can't wait to read it. And then lastly, what is refreshing you these days? So this could be anything that's just like giving you life. This sounds really silly, uh, but I'll just tell you, I love more than anything. What gives me so much life is dancing in the kitchen with my children. I am <laughs> dance like, parties. I am a big believer in dance parties. And so I, I think that it's really important, no matter your age, um, to be able, um, just to be able to be childlike in mm-hmm. some ways and to be okay with that. It's just a minute, you know, but yep. um, it really does remind you of the simplicity of um, I'll turn on uh, my kids love that uh, Christy Knuckles be held mm-hmm. um, uh, EP that she put out or whatever it is. Um, and anyway, uh, they each have a song that's theirs and they, and it's kind of like waltzy, you know, in the that's kitchen and, and they love cute. it. And, um, and I, I kind of see them becoming, uh, I don't know, having their own ideas and thoughts about God and who they're going to be in the kingdom of faith and, um, what God has for them. And, and I love seeing the freedom at which they dance. And so it just reminds me. No matter the assignment that God puts on me, I'm going to dance my way there. And so, because it is because <laughs> truly like, man, Jesus went to the cross. It was for the joy set before him. And so I'm like, you know what? Whatever the assignment on my life, whatever God has asked me to do, I want to do it with joy. I want to fight with joy. I want to do it through praise and dancing and singing because it just is a reminder of the posture of the heart mm-hmm. of how yeah. we're to serve the king. Totally. So. I love that. I was just talking with a friend about that song, Fight My Battles by Upper Room. And they, uh-huh. you know, they say in there, and this is this is from the straight from the word of like, my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm fighting with. Like, how am I fighting my battles? Like with praise and thanksgiving over yeah. even, even the messiest situations. And so I love that. I'm just like... Good retraining our minds to not just not just dance around things like it's not happening but but truly just using that to like fight and 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 show truth and joy so that's right love that absolutely yes i love that too and just a reminder in the battle as we do it with joy and thanksgiving you know in ephesians 6 it talks about the armor of god and um it's we put, we fight from a place of victory. And so it's funny because that whole chapter, you know, he's teaching you to stand and lean in and, mm-hmm. um, and withstand the schemes of the enemy and, and, and fight in a way that, um, I don't know, you, you fight from a place of victory because Jesus has already, he's ha- already had the word. He's already mm-hmm. had the last word. And so there is joy in that. There's joy because we are people that fight from victory already, mm-hmm. you know? And so in our deepest, darkest moments, for those who are in Christ, we have victory. And that is such a sweet kindness of the Lord for us to remember um, that that we fight um, from victory um, with joy and praise um, 
although we don't feel it sometimes, and uh, that kind of joyful praise, and mm-hmm. um, we have to fight for, uh, we fight for victory, and we have to fight for that. Um, I don't know. I have to remind myself until I feel it. You know mm-hmm. that no fight from victory, or it's like nope, even I'm when you be- don't feel it, like you just continue to repeat truth until you believe it and feel it you know that's right yeah love that love it thank you so much for coming on today rachel and there's some good little nuggets of truth in there and so i'm thankful i'm glad you came on yeah thank you for having me it was a joy